Amen. God is good, isn't he? Amen. See, sometimes I find the hardest thing to do is to have the reality of God's goodness when your life is so bad. Can anyone, can anyone relate? Sometimes we can proclaim God is good, but then our surroundings say life is bad. How can God be good? And the coolest thing about, about God or one of the coolest things or most intriguing things that he never changes. You see, the devil's on a fast track. The devil's on a fast track to try to distract you from his goodness. That's how... That's how, the, that's how the devil started. If you think back to the garden, he came in and he said, did God really say you couldn't eat from the tree? Did he really say that? Oh, God's not good. He's holding something back from you because he's afraid that if you eat it, then you'll be like him. See, that's the devil's only tactic. He tries to distract. So it's important for us in these worship songs to proclaim that he is good, he is good. No matter what my situation says, he never changes. The world will tell you that he's not good, but he is. And it's the cornerstone of biblical theology. It's the cornerstone of our belief system in which he is good all the time and all the time. Amen. That wasn't even a part of tonight, but that's just extra. No, no, uh, you don't need to, I won't charge you for that. Um, I'm going to pray before we get started. God, I thank you for uh, this time that we have to worship you, to connect with you, to connect with people. God, I ask that you, that you just speak to me and through me in order to deliver the word of God in, a, in an effective way that can, that can shift perspective into the kingdom and outside, of, and outside of the kingdom of man and into the kingdom of God. I, I, I humble myself before you and I say, have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So sometimes I feel, <laughs> I feel really unqualified most times that I, that I get up on stage. Um, in fact, sometimes I even get nervous, um, like when I'm at my, my family or maybe an in-laws, and we're sitting around the dinner table, and you know, there's people, and, and then somebody will say, okay, who wants to pray? And my heart's... I don't want to pray. <laughs> Anyone feel that? We, we get this like, oh no, not me. I can't pray in front of people. And, and sometimes I'm like, wait, I'm on, I, I go on stage and I talk about God and my job is, is, is learning the word of God. And sometimes I get nervous about prayer. And I just think we have so many cliches, so many little funny things that we do in Christian culture surrounding prayer. Another one is, is somebody's going through something when you see a post on Facebook or you see something and, and somebody's explaining something and you say, and you don't know what to say, so when you don't know what to say, you say, oh, I'll be praying for you. Anyone been there? <laughs> so we have all these different funny routines that we get into when it comes into prayer and, and we're, in, we're in a 20 or a series on, on pray first and I get to speak on this idea of prayer as it relates to our lives and its effect and its application. And I am really, you know, I didn't, I could say I grew up not, I'm sorry, I got an iPad, it's just really technology, it's just like not working for me right now. Bear with me. Awesome, got it. 
sometimes, I, I didn't grow up, I, I knew about prayer, I knew I should pray, I knew that it was like a Christian thing to do, is if you're a Christian, you pray to God, but I didn't know what to say, so when I didn't know what to say, I would say the Lord's Prayer, and then I just, I would pray, and I would ask, and I would ask, and I remember one of my prayers is I was like, I remember being like eight, nine years old, and, and I'd be sitting in my bed, and, and I'd have a, a peewee football game the next day, and I'd be so nervous, and I'd pray, Lord, if it's your will, Lord, if it's your will, please help us win the game tomorrow. And God, if it's your will, help me score at least three touchdowns. <laughs> and so this idea of prayer, it was confusing, but I knew that I should do it, and so I attempted it and gave it my best shot. And what I want to focus in on today is I have this ladder, and, and we're going to be working through this, is um, there's different positions in which we can pray from. Um, for example, you can pray out of like desperation to where you're in need, you're in great need, and you're in desperate need, and so you go to God. You can, you can even pray out of maybe uh, duty or obligation to where it's something that you know you're supposed to do, so you just do it. Sometimes we can pray out of hope to where we're hopeful. We, we've read the Bible. We've heard of prayers being answered, so we'll bring it to him in, in hopes that my request will be heard and then granted. And then there's other times that we position ourselves in a prayer of faith to where we know what God's word has said and we agree with it. So then our prayer actually shifts from a request to a declaration from what God has already said. So instead of us bringing something to him, we just tag along with what he's already said because God's word is very powerful. It does not return to him void. And so as we get into this, I want to I share a verse with you. It's just going to bring into light what I believe to be one of the key verses as we think to what prayer is purposed for. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything. But what this, this beginning passage, this beginning phrase tells me is that there's, he's, he's promising something, is that there's going to be situations in our lives that are going to be cause us in our natural state of being to be anxious. So he's saying there are going to be situations, there are going to be hardships, there's going to be storms that are going to come, but don't be anxious. He's not saying they're not going to come, he's saying don't be anxious. Or you could say, do not worry about anything, but in every situation, every situation, we're in, a, we're in a series called Pray First. Pray first when you wake up. Pray first when you're about to go on your job. Pray when you're picking up your kids from school. Pray when you, when you're, before you're eating. Pray when you're going into a meeting. Pray, pray in every situation. Do not be anxious, but in every situation by prayer 
in petition, petition just means to ask something. So we're not being anxious, but we're praying and we're asking key, key right here, with thanksgiving. Why thanksgiving? What thanksgiving does is thanksgiving takes your attention off of the problem and it puts it on the solution. Thanksgiving positions your attitude, your heart, and your whole being off of yourself and onto God, onto what he's already done. So with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So God wants us to bring things to him. He desires that we bring everything to him in prayer. But watch what happens. It says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, what most of us think prayer, what, what most of us get caught up in is that we come to God with requests, so we bring them to him in prayer in hopes that he will answer our prayer, satisfying our needs so that we're happy. But I think what God is trying to show us here, what Paul is writing here, is he's saying there's, there's, a, there's a purpose in prayer that exceeds the demand for an answer. Or it's an answer that you might not find. And what this is, is that he says, I don't want to present your requests to me, but I'm not going to always give you the answer. But what I will give you, it says, present your requests to me, and I will give you the peace of God that transcends, transcends all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's saying, I want to give you so much more than an answered prayer. I want to give you a peace that you can take with you wherever you go. I want to give you an understanding that I'm with you so that no matter what faces you, you can stand in it and will not worry, and you can stand in peace and confidence in who you are. Whew, that's a lot better than just an answered prayer, in my opinion. Because it allows you to operate and, and see situations for what they truly are, and it does not allow situations to mold you, but you mold the situation by the peace that you bring to it. You see, Jesus was called the Prince of peace. He was in the storm. He was sleeping through a storm. He stood up. He said, peace be still. Storm went down. So when we operate in peace, we are operating as if Jesus lives in us because he does. Sometimes, <laughs> this, is, this is good in theory. <laughs> So it's, it's, a very, it's a very difficult place to live in because it takes, it takes discipline, it takes intentionality, and it takes something that I, what I like to call being humble because you have to be able to receive it. You cannot will yourself to do this. It only comes from receiving the love and understanding from God, from Holy Spirit. And the world operates in a totally different fashion. And our instincts tell us that that's not reality. Our instincts and our reactions are to worry, to be anxious, to be fearful, to be jealous. That's, that's our reality apart from Christ. But one important thing we have to realize is that our reality is not God's reality. Our reality is not God's reality. 
You see, God, in the beginning, in Genesis 1, he said, he, he said, let there be light. And God is spirit, so he spoke and the world came into existence. That means the spiritual world is dominant over the physical world. And so the, the problems and in, in the, in the, in the challenges that we face are usually physical problems, but we do not war against flesh and blood, but we war against the principalities and the powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. So although we have physical problem, there's always a spiritual reality that's attached to that problem. And that's the reality that God lives in, although he functions in both physical and spiritual. And so God's reality is different. It is far superior to our reality. And so one of the goals, one of the, one of the privileges that we get is to learn through Holy Spirit what God's reality is. So Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, we have a way of thinking that the world has taught us from the time that we were a little, a little kid, we've been taught that an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, somebody gets you, you get them back. Somebody pranks you, you prank them back. Somebody's rude, you're rude to them back. Somebody cuts you off, you speed up, go around them, go around and slam on the brakes. That's the way we were taught, it's the way we, we, we were raised, that's our instinct is to get even with people. And so what Paul is saying here in Romans 12 too is that we cannot conform to that pattern, but we, we must be transformed in the renewing of our minds or change the way that we think and react to situations. It says once we do that, once we transform and change the way we think so it's consistent with the way that God thinks and the way that God operates and the, what his reality is, when we do that, it says then we will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what is God's reality, though? I mean, what, what, <laughs> it's a nice saying, or it's a nice idea, but what does God's reality actually look like? And God's reality is expressed through his word, the Bible. It is specifically expressed through the life of Jesus. So Jesus is heaven's reality. Colossians 1.15 says, the Son, or Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Hebrews 1.3 says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So Jesus on earth, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can read about him, he's the exact representation of what God is like. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. You wanna know what God's reality is? Look at the life of Jesus and how he operated, how he responded, how he treated people. If you wanna know what God's like, look at that, read the red letters. That's what God's like. And then we read in John 12, 49. I love these two passages. I'm gonna read John 12 and then John 5. For I did not speak, this is Jesus speaking, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. 
John 5.19, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus came doing what the father told him to do and saying what the father told him to say. He did nothing else. Jesus operated from a totally different world. He saw things so differently than everyone else. When the world saw a paralytic man, Jesus saw a man who could walk. When the world saw a man with leprosy, Jesus walked and picked him up and hugged him and saw him and he was healed. When Jesus saw five loaves, two fish, he didn't see five loaves, two fish. He saw an endless supply that could feed thousands. He saw something that was different. He was living in man's reality and God's reality all at the same time. So how does Jesus' life, the red letters, how do they affect how we pray? How do they affect how we actually communicate with God? How does it affect the life of our conversation with God? And this is, this is, this is what I believe to be some of the most effective prayers that we can ever praise. And when we pray, the title of my message tonight, pray from heaven. So what we like to do and what's very natural for us to do is for us to take things at face value and pray about them at face value. So something comes our way and we pray about it from right here. We can't see past it, but it's staring at us right in the face. And so we look at it and we pray about it. See, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to elevate us to a higher degree, a higher perspective to where we see our situations and our problems and the people in our life totally different than everyone else. So it's like this. So instead of praying from earth or praying from our human instinct, we get to walk up the ladder and pray from God's perspective. And then all of a sudden we see something different. All of a sudden we see the people a little bit differently. Some, we see the obstacles and we say, oh, oh, yeah, that's not that big. I just have to walk that way and go that. Oh yeah, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. When we elevate our, when God, we allow God to elevate us, our worry and our anxiety actually decrease because our problems get put in perspective. Or the people who cause the problems get put in perspective. I want to read um, a couple passages for you. Ephesians, this is what we're going to get in the meat of tonight. It's going to be good. I'm going to get a little bit excited in a little bit, so just get prepared. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus died on the cross, he rose again he was with his disciples for a little bit, and then he was raised and taken up into heaven and says he was seated at the right hand of God. And now in, in, now in Ephesians, it's telling us that he has seated us in the heavenly realms with Christ. Notice that seated is a past tense verb. It doesn't say we're sitting with Christ. It doesn't say, you know, he, we are seated it doesn't say we sit with Christ. It says we're seated with him, meaning that he has already placed us in 
heaven with Jesus in this realm of reality that is superior to the flesh. He has seated us with Christ. We're sitting with him. But why would he, why would he do that? And are we taking advantage of that privilege? Are we taking advantage or are we allowing that to pass by and actually not walking into that truth that we actually get to sit with him? So Jesus is sitting there and we're sitting with him. And then in Romans 8, 34, it says, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is praying for us. Have you ever heard of the phrase, would you love to be a fly on the wall for a certain conversation or a certain saying or speech? I would love to be a fly on the wall for Jesus' prayers towards us. What is he praying towards you? What is he praying towards your situation? What is he praying towards the people in your life? What is he praying about the, pe- the lost people, the prodigal sons, the prodigal children? What is he praying about them? How about instead of us praying our own agendas, we start partnering with his prayers so that they can be effective? Because most times we take our selfishness into our prayer life, we pray to God expecting something good when all the while it's only for our benefit. But he's wanting to us to pray the prayers, he's seating us with him so that we could listen in on what he's praying so that we can team up with that and how many of you know that's a much more powerful place than just praying prayers that serve ourselves. You see what this also does, it, it enters us into this relationship with God where it's not just duties and obligations, but it's communication, it's communion, it's relationship, it's fellowship, it's growth with him. It's, it's me speaking and thanking him and giving praise to him, but it's also me listening and, and, and resting in him so that he can speak to my spirit and speak to my heart so that I can in turn proclaim those things that he's speaking to me, to the world, so that they can come to pass. God never wants us to pray out of obligation. He wants, to pr- wants us to pray out of relationship, out of faith, and out of his word. Sometimes, sometimes I, I just pray the dumbest prayers. Anyone with me? Sometimes I just pray prayers that are just, they have zero faith. No faith in my prayers, or they're just really selfish prayers. Sometimes, you know, I pray something like, oh, why don't I take it this way? I want you to imagine Jesus praying, so he's interesting for us. I want you to imagine him praying. What do you think his prayers are like? Do you think they're, Lord, God, just help them. Lord, you know they're having a tough day. God, can you give them a break? Just give them a break, God. God, they're all right. You see, sometimes I think we can imagine those things and I can, and, and, and I can make fun, not make fun of, but I can laugh at the idea that, 
of what Jesus might pray, but the reality is if, if it seems silly or if it seems funny or as it seems, I don't wanna call it wimpy, <laughs> to come out of Jesus' mouth, let's not, let's not pray it. Let's partner with prayers of faith that are found in the word of God that will actually produce effectiveness and peace in our lives. So this is, this is my favorite, this is the, the, the last part of the, the last verse that we're going to use, and we're going to be done. It's found in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. So we have this, we have this picture, right, of God, Jesus seated at the right hand of God, and he's praying for us. He's praying for us, and then we have 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. And these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And then verse 15 says, we have the mind of Christ. So who knows the thoughts besides the person their own spirit within them. Who, but he says, I've given you. Can you keep that verse up there? He says, I've given you my thoughts. I've given you my spirit so I can disclose my thoughts about you to you. So I've given you my spirit so you no longer have to, you no longer have to pray from yourself because I've given you my spirit who wants to proclaim to you the very things that I'm praying and that I'm thinking towards you. He wants to enlighten you. He wants to give you an understanding of his word and his truth and his nature. He wants to give us all so that we can in turn reproduce that nature in the lost and a dying world. It's never about just our growing up. It's about our growing up so that we can grow out. And he's given us his spirit so that we can know his thoughts. And this is effectively powerful when we, when we read the Bible. Anyone ever read the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah? It's kind of a confusing book at times. Um, sometimes, you know, I just wish that C.S. Lewis could be like sitting next to me when I read one of his books so that he can explain some of the allegorical elements that are found within it but I don't have that luxury, so I'll just leave it to my own in intellect. But isn't it interesting that God says, I'll give you my spirit so I'll disclose the thoughts that I have for you. How many of you read the Bible one time and you're like, I didn't get any. You read the Bible and you read a whole chapter and you're like, what did I just read? But God, what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 2 is, I'm giving you my spirit so that I can teach you the word that I've spoken, so that I can become a reality in your life, so that you can become it, and so that you can live it. It's like we have the author of the Bible within us to teach us the very thing that's found in his word. This is such a, it's, it's the best news. It's such good news. It's, it's amazing. I'm so happy that he does it because I'll read one verse five different days and I'll get five different things from it because Holy Spirit is with me and he's teaching me all these different elements and angles that he, how good he is and his goodness and his greatness and, and he just teaches me. 
And he's teaching all of us, and he wants to, but he wants to enter that relationship where it's not just reading out of obligation. It's not just taking issues and things at face value, but it's elevating ourselves so that we don't see things, at fa- see things the way the world sees them, so we see things from the way that God sees them, so we respond differently so that we are different, so the world sees us and says, man, there's something different. And it's so powerful when we get to team up with God, with what God is praying. We get to team up and partner with what he's doing. So I was at a, I was at a, you call it a retreat for like high schoolers and college age um, kids. And we were in a, in a time of worship and, and, and I got up there and I was supposed to like pray to close and, and I was sitting there in worship and I was just sinking and, and I was just, you know, praising God and thanking him. All of a sudden in my heart, I felt that there were kids in this room who are supposed to be missionaries. And so I, I got up there and I just spoke. I said, hey, I, I really feel like there's some people here who have a call of missions on their life and God wants to activate you in that and he wants to send you forth in that. He wants to know that he is, he's with you. And I had no idea any of the, any, if any of these kids, if any of these young adults had any desire to do and, and Later come to find out there's a girl in the back who felt a call of missions on her life, but she had some opposition within her, within her life that wasn't causing her to do it. She had some people telling her not to do it. She had some people telling her to do it, and she had more people telling her not to do it. And what happened was when I, when I said that, when God spoke to me and I said it out loud, it actually freed her and it allowed her to have the confidence in what God had called her to do in order to move forward. And so I say that to say God is always speaking, but he wants to disclose information to us about others so that we can be participants in the work that he's calling us to do. And so those thoughts that he's, that he's saying, those Jesus, the, the prayers that Jesus is praying are not just found in the word of God, although they are in the word of God, they're also in a personal relationship where he's disclosing information about other people in order for them to be touched by God. And it's a, it's a beautiful place. It's a, it's a, it's a one, I call it a full contact sport. It's just fun when you get to, when you get to participate and, and, and risk and, and and challenge yourself to grow and grow in Christ and in, in faith and in humility. So more than anything else, though, God wants to disclose, he wants to communicate his love, his grace, and his mercy to, to all of mankind. It says, I read it earlier, it was in John 5. I'll get to it. Maybe not in John 5, I'm sorry. I lost it. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is praying for the lost. He's praying for those who, who are in the darkness, who are living in the darkness, who are living for themselves, who are living to please themselves and who do not know the truth that Jesus has come to save them from their sin. He's come to save them. And one of those things that he is praying, so we actually get, one of the things that I do is I have a, I have a top 10 most wanted list. So I have the 10 people in my life who don't know Christ. 
and I have them on a list and I actually pray for them and I ask God, I say, okay, God, Jesus, what are you praying for these people? What are you praying for these people? Because I want to partner, I want to team up, I want to be in, in unison with what you're praying over these people so that my prayers can be effective. Jesus is interceding for the lost. He's interceding for those who are hopeless because he wants us to give the, he wants to give us the hope in order for us to give hope to others and pull them out of darkness into light. It's one of the most beautiful things about this whole deal. (laughs) Relationship, Christianity, that we were saved from that darkness. Now we get to go deliver that hope to a world who desperately needs it. If you bow your heads with me. If you're, if you're here and you don't know, if you don't know God, if you're here and you've said, I've never, I've never given my life to Christ, I've never surrendered my life to follow Christ and his call on my life, I'm here to say that Jesus is praying for you, Jesus is pursuing you, Jesus and Holy Spirit are, are longing for you to come into relationship, to come into this place where you can be one with him, where he can actually pull you out of the dark place that you're in and pull you into the light. So if you're here and you've never made that decision to follow Christ with your whole life, if you're here and, and you've made that decision a long time ago and you've said, you know, I just, I'm just, I just haven't, I haven't been following God, I haven't been obeying God, I haven't been doing and, and obeying his call in my life, if that's you, on the count of three, I'll just ask you to raise your hand. We're not gonna point you out, it's just, it's just an act of, it's active agreement. It's an act of saying, yes, I want to do that. I want to surrender my life in order to pick up Jesus' life for me, to save me from the trap and from the destruction that I'm on. If that's you, one, two, three, just raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. If everyone would just pray with me, dear God, thank you for Jesus, for dying on the cross, for all of my sin, for all of my selfishness, for all of the times that I chose myself over you. I surrender my life to follow you and to have relationship with you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.